0: Right. Well, um, my wife and I have three kids. And uh, when our first child was born, uh, one of my good friends from college named Chris uh, came to visit and check out the baby. Um, and Becky and I, we were the first of all of our friends to have a baby. And so um, if you've ever been in that situation, you know that, like, you know how there's like starter girlfriend and there's like starter boyfriends, right? Well, you're kind of like a starter parent for all of your friends, because your friends are kind of looking at you, and they're like, all right, you know, let's, I guess let's see if they make it, you know? Um, <laughs> and um, uh, what I've noticed is that, that like, when, when the wife's girlfriends visit, they are all about the baby. They're there just to see the baby. But when, when the, the husband's guy friends visit, they're not there to see the baby at all. Like, they're actually there to see if their buddy is actually alive, that's, that's the main purpose. It's like they're walking in on a recon mission, you know, and they don't even notice there's a baby in the house. It's just all about, like, getting to their friend and be like, man, are you okay? Are you making it? Do you need anything? You know, that's, that's kind of the context for my friend Chris um, and, and his visit to to see me um, after having this, this first child, my first child, Allison. And so um, I'll never forget this. Um, he comes in and... Um, you know, Becky, my wife, is, uh, she's a pediatric trauma nurse. She loves babies. We call her the, the, the baby hog, you know, because she's just always wanting to hold babies. And so she immediately offers my friend Chris uh, the chance to hold the baby. And he's like, no, no, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Thank you, though. I appreciate it. And uh, then a little while later, when it was appropriate to do so, she asks him a second time, Chris, would you, would you like to hold the baby now? And he's like, you know, I appreciate it, but I, I think I'm good. Well, then a third time, a little bit later, she asks him again. My wife can be very persistent, God bless her. And uh, she says, are you sure you don't wanna hold the baby? And, uh, and he turns to my wife and he said some words that have become legendary in my marriage. He said, Becky, it's not that I don't want to, it's, I just don't feel like it now (laughs) i i want you to just kind of sit with this quote for a minute okay because this is truly one of the most brilliant things that has ever been uttered in my presence okay just just i want you to appreciate the brilliance of it okay this is one of the most versatile quotes this is your swiss army knife of of many different situations okay so think about this. You're in a complex social situation, okay? This—that's how you respond, okay? Uh, this is great in a marriage, okay? You can use this all the time. Um, this works on your in-laws, all right? I wouldn't recommend it on your boss, all right? But man, for salespeople, telemarketers—I mean, they just don't know what to do with this. It's—it's it's fantastic, okay? But here's here's the deal about this quote, okay? Isn't it true in many aspects of our lives? It's not that I don't want to. I just don't feel like it. And and I find that if I'm going to be brutally honest, when it comes to the Christian life, I think this quote applies to me. Maybe, Maybe it does to you as well. Well... Today, um, as Anna mentioned, we are in the final part of this series called Do Good, this annual movement where we unleash radical generosity across our community by doing three things, right? The first is give. Um, We talked about that two weeks ago. Then last week, we talked about serve. And today we are talking about love, to love our neighbors in our community, now, uh, this is such a, an important word when it comes to the Christian faith, because really, um, I challenge you to find a better word that would capture all of Christianity in just one word, right? I mean, love is, is pretty much it. And I can feel very confident about making this declaration because you may remember this, but Jesus was once asked to basically like sum up all of the commandments. And he replied, well, you love God and you love your neighbor. So Jesus basically said, you want to sum it all up? It's love. That that is the operative word. But many days, at least in my life, this whole love thing that we're called to do, well, it's not that I don't want to. (laughs) I just don't feel like it. What's up with that? If God's wired us, for love, if God's wired us to love, why is it that oftentimes it's not that we don't want to, we just don't feel like it? Well, um, there was a guy uh, back in Jesus' day who was seeking some clarification on this whole love God, love neighbor thing. And so he approached Jesus about it. He was actually in a little bit of a contentious. Uh, situation with Jesus. And, uh, and it, it prompted Jesus to, uh, to go into one of the most famous parables in all of the Bible, which we're going to look at today. Um, and so this guy looking for clarification on this whole love topic, loving God, love your neighbor, um, famously in, in the gospel of Luke chapter 10, verse 29 uh, said this. It says, he, he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, These famous words, he said, and who is my neighbor? If I'm supposed to love God and love neighbor, who is my neighbor? Basically, I think that what this guy was saying was "Look, it's not that I don't want to love everybody. It's just that some days I just don't feel like it. And um, and in reply, Luke 10, 30, Jesus launched in to the parable of the good Samaritan. It says, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, um, a little bit of context for you. So the trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, it says the man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So Jerusalem was 3,300 feet above Jericho, okay? So he was going down this mountain pass. The, the, the journey was a 17-mile trek, and uh, there were all kinds of twists and turns. There were nooks and crannies. There were places where um, people could hide out, and you could be surprised on this road. And so um, basically, it was, a, it was a very dangerous route. And so as Jesus tells this story of this man who gets attacked by robbers and is beaten and stripped of his clothes and he's left half dead. Everyone hearing this story would immediately go, "Oh my goodness, this is this is a terrible. This is like the worst of the worst situation for this guy. I wonder what's going to happen to this man." And then Jesus continues. He says, "A priest happened to be going down the same road. Now, this would have been immediately heard as very good news for that man because the priest was like the holiest and most respected man in the Jewish faith. So here comes this priest and, it's, and Jesus says, and when the priest saw the man, he passed by on the other side, which would have immediately made anyone listening go, wait, what? what? Passed by? Jesus continues. Verse 32 said, so too. A Levite, now a Levite was like on the holiness scale, you have like the priest, and the Levite would have been like one level down, one level below the priest, okay? A Levite, when he came to the place and saw the man, passed by on the other side. Now at this point, everyone would be looking around going, What in the world is going on here? Are the two of the most esteemed people in our society, and they just pass by this guy who's clearly in need? What's happening? And so what I want us to do is just, I'm gonna ask for a little audience participation this morning, nine o'clock crowd. Uh, I, I believe in you guys, all right? Hopefully you've had a cup of coffee. You can help me out a little bit. But here's the question that I want us to, to, to talk about a little bit, okay? I need your help to just call some, some answers out. Here's the question. Why didn't they help? Why didn't they help that man? Who knows? Somebody else, they, they didn't feel like it. Very good, you get, a, you get a check on your chart. Okay, they didn't feel like it, what else? Pride. They were in a hurry. hurry. Yeah, those those are good. He was naked and they were afraid. afraid. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yes. Yes. Okay. Anybody else? Any other theologians out here? Any scholars? Yeah. So there was this issue, and I want to talk about this for a second because um, because often. There's the, it's, it's a reference back to the Old Testament that there was a passage that talked about um, if a priest touched a corpse, then they were unclean, and they were unclean for seven days, and they couldn't do their religious duties. But um, I think it's, it's worth noting that this man wasn't a corpse, right? He was only half dead, okay? So, so he's not a corpse at this moment. And even if he did, say, die in the arms of this priest, what you have to remember is that all three of these men were traveling from Jerusalem to Jer- Jericho. They were going down this road. So the priest and the Levite, they'd already done whatever their religious duties were, and so the, the, the whole being clean thing, that, that actually wasn't this, this major deal. What was a much bigger deal was the fact that this man needed help and he was dying, okay? So, so you may have heard like, oh, we got to let these guys off the hook. They're on the hook, okay? You, you better know that Jesus had these guys on the hook. This is part of his whole building of this amazing story and why Jesus was such a, such a famous storyteller. All right, any, anyone else think of, of any other reasons why... Um, just, just, again, just not like religious or theological reasons, but any other reasons why you're like, man, they just, why didn't they help this guy? Anybody? Maybe they didn't care. Yeah. Maybe they didn't care. Um, I I don't know if anybody else passes out at the sight of blood, like like I do. Okay. But I mean, I I just also would say like, I I just wouldn't be able to handle it. You know, I'm just going to be honest. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I might've just passed out, and died right on top of that guy, okay? So, so um, okay, I wanna, I wanna put up a number of, of the responses, okay? Because what I want you to, to just look at for a second, because really, this story is also our story. So for us, it's not that we don't want to, right? It's just that we don't always feel like it. Why, why, what is it for you? The opportunities that you get, okay? What is it for you that stops you? That makes you want to pass on by. Well, we don't know the reason why the priest or the Levite kept on going. Maybe it was a combination of these things. But regardless, they didn't stop, right? That's Jesus' point. They didn't stop. They should have stopped. They didn't stop. Um, And for for Jesus' Jewish audience, uh, they would have been pretty disgusted in that moment. Now I mentioned that Jesus was a master storyteller and uh, what you need to know about uh, where everyone was expecting the story to go next was, um, was let me just give you a little bit of background. So in, in Judaism, basically there's three types of people. Okay. There's three types of people. There's um, this is back in Jesus day. There's the priest, there's the Levite, and there's the Israelite. Those are the three different types of people, And so Jesus has talked about the priest. He's talked about the Levite. And so guess where everyone's expecting the story to go now? Who's going to be the next person to pass along this man? Going to be the Israelite, right? But this is what made Jesus so brilliant. And why people even who aren't Christians today know this parable and know the point of it. So this is what Jesus says. Luke 10, 33. He says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. Now, today, you know, and we're just so used to having heard that this is the good Samaritan story. So when we we see the word Samaritan, we're like, oh, cool. Like this guy's going to get helped. You know, this is a good Samaritan. This is so great. We remember the story of what this guy did. But man, for the original audience hearing this story for the first time, when they heard that a Samaritan now comes on the scene, oh man, okay? So if, you, if you're not familiar with Samaritans, Samaritans were people of Jewish faith who had married outside of the Jewish faith. They were considered traitors to the faith, okay? They were, they were actually, Samaritans and Jews were hated rivals of one another. I mean, for, for a Jewish person, like a Samaritan, this, this was like worse than somebody who's living in Washington, D.C. and actively cheering for the Dallas Cowboys, okay? I mean, it's worse than that, if you can believe that, all right? So, so when, when Jesus says, and then a Samaritan comes on the scene, you know what everyone's thinking? Oh, man, this guy's half dead. He's about to be all the way dead, okay? Because this Samaritan is just going to finish him off. It's over. This guy's done. But check out how this story turns. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, Jesus says. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. In the Greek, this could also be rendered. He was moved with compassion for him. It says the Samaritan went to the man and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And then verse 36, Jesus famously asks, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers?" I mean, you talk about a plot twist. And it says that this expert in the law, the man who was coming for clarification on who is my neighbor exactly, this expert in the law said to Jesus, the one who had mercy on him. And you just got to appreciate the fact that this man probably hated Samaritans so much that he couldn't even bring himself to say the word. He just said the, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus, in his brilliance, makes this despised Samaritan the hero of the story so that no one would miss his point. No one would miss what Jesus was trying to get across that there's no one who's not your neighbor. Let me say that in just slightly a different way. What Jesus, I think, wants us to, to know is there's no one you shouldn't love. Who's my neighbor? I mean, aren't there some exemptions? Like, I'm sure we don't have to love everybody. There's no one you shouldn't love. That was why he made this story so piercing so dramatic i mean this was so in your face and so just take this in for a second okay i mean maybe you just spent thanksgiving with somebody and you're like oh wait a minute jesus (laughs) there's an exception to this okay clearly you don't mean this person i just i just hung out with for the past few days all right yes there's no one that you shouldn't love i mean this is radical all right Anybody who says that the Christian faith is just, oh, it's just, you know, easy, peace and love. I mean, no, no, there's no one that you shouldn't love. There's no one who's not your neighbor. Mm. And then Jesus said these final words to that man. He's clearly looking for a loophole, you know, when he didn't feel like it. Jesus said, go and do Likewise. And really, those are Jesus' words to me, and they're Jesus' words to you today. In fact, they really are our final challenge in this final Sunday of do good. Go and do likewise. Go love your neighbor. That's what Jesus is telling us as the church. So um, for the past few weeks, we have been doing these different challenges, giving, serving, and now loving. And, um, and, And so... You know, we, we've, we've had opportunities to give financially. Uh, there's tons of opportunities to, to go and serve. Um, but then there's also just more informal opportunities where you just sort of pray and ask God, show me opportunities where I can love somebody. Um, I wanna invite you one more time uh, to use the yellow card in your seat back and, and hit that QR, or you can just simply go to trygrace.org slash do good. And, uh, and on that page, um, you will see a whole bunch of opportunities to do good, okay? And maybe you want to love your neighbor through some of those different opportunities that you'll see on that page. But for, for others of you, um, even right now, even um, as, as we were talking about, there's no one you shouldn't love, uh, God may have, for better or for worse, <laughs> God may have already put somebody in your mind, on your heart, where you're like, dang it. Dang it! Not that person, okay? And you can't get them out of your mind. But um, but but maybe there's something there for you. And I just want you to just kind of embrace that tension and take that up with God. Um so um, but regardless, um here's one more time the challenge for all of us, Grace Community Church. So as as Anna and I have been talking about in the past couple of weeks, we want to challenge every single one of you, 100% participation in this final week of do good, that we would go and love our neighbors. We all have opportunities all the time, big, small ways. It's just really a question of intentionality and awareness, just saying, God, show me. That's a dangerous prayer, okay? But I challenge you to pray it. This week, because this is what it means to be the church. This is what it means to be followers of Jesus, that we would represent Jesus Christ as we walk around this earth, that we would be salt and light to our community and that we would truly love other people. So with that challenge in mind, okay, with that challenge in mind, what do you do? With that in mind, that it's, but it's not that I don't want to, Derek. <laughs> I just don't feel like it. Or maybe it's not even that you don't feel like it. It's maybe you just don't feel like you can right now. Like maybe you're like, Derek, this is, this is all well and good. Go love your neighbor. But I'm just barely making it right now, okay? I'm just lucky I didn't kill an in-law over the Thanksgiving break. All right, so now you're calling me to, to go out and, and love my neighbor as myself and all that business, okay? I just don't have the margin. I, I can't do it. I have to focus on me for a few minutes, all right? If that's you, here's what I wanna share with you, okay? Because that's completely real. I, I actually think that is, <laughs> that, that's how I feel a lot of times, right? I, I just don't have it in me to do this. I can't do it. Certainly don't feel like doing it. So uh, my favorite verse in all the Bible is John 13, 34. And the reason that I love this verse so much is because it really captures the entire essence of Christianity in one verse. And this is how it reads, John 13, 34. These 11 words, okay? If there's one Bible verse in the entire Bible to memorize, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That is the whole of Christianity right there. And oftentimes, um, if you read it like I do, um, we gravitate to the second part of this verse, the, the part that is our responsibility, right? That we are supposed to go and love. And we, we, we forget about these first five words. The first five words here, as I have loved you are just super, super critical, okay? Because if we just rush in and we're like, oh yeah, I know, I gotta, I gotta love this person, I gotta do good, you know, I gotta make this happen, right? We're trying to muster this up all on our own strength. Oftentimes, that's where we come to that place where it's not that we don't want to, but we just don't feel like it. We just don't have it in us to do it. Because the, the truth of the matter is that unless we take time to be loved, we are not able to love. Let me say that again. Unless we take time to be loved, we are not able to love. Jesus was famous, famous for for, all the ministry and all that. Yeah, that was great. But you know what he's famous for was often withdrawing to lonely places and spending time with his heavenly father. He knew that he needed to soak in that love in order to be able to give it to others. And so what I want us to do is I want us to take a few minutes here at the end of this service. And, you know, before we rush out of here with this goal that we must love, okay? We got to go love somebody. This is the final challenge. Let's take a little time to be loved, okay? Um, When you came in, uh, you got a communion Cup, okay? If you didn't get one, please shoot your hand up. Our ushers will come around. Just raise your hand high. Our music team is gonna come out and they're gonna lead us in a song. They're gonna lead us in a song to help us celebrate communion. Now, this is, this is Jesus' way of helping us to remember his great love for us. In case you're wondering, why do we do communion? Communion is this sort of very interesting ceremonial thing that we do. What what is the point of it anyway? Well, the point of it is that as we um, and go ahead and take a look at your communion cup right now. Just go ahead and hold it up and look at it. So you've got the, the 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 bread there, and you've got the cup, and these these symbolize the body and the blood of Jesus. What they represent is Jesus coming to this earth, living a life that none of us could live and laying down his life because he loves us that much. And Jesus didn't just want us to hear about this or read about this great love, but he, he was trying to give us something tangible that would remind us, something experiential that we could do, that we would see and feel and touch and taste and smell that would, that would be a tangible reminder of his love for us. And so what I want you to do is um, I want you, as uh, the team's going to lead us in this final song, is I want you just to be very intentional about being conscious of you are holding what represents Jesus' body and his blood. So I want you to hold this in your hand, okay? And I want you to stand to your feet, if you would. Everybody stand to your feet. We're going to sing this song Okay, we've just come through Thanksgiving weekend. This is a song giving thanks for God's amazing love for us. It's called Great Are You, Lord. Just hold what represents Jesus' body and his blood. Think about his great love for you. We're going to sing this song together, and then we're going to celebrate communion together.